Good morning, everybody. I'm going to share with you just a passage. As you know, we're, we're, we're doing the study in the book of Luke, and we're on chapter 5. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we're just going to look at a story there. Um, I don't know. We've been going one chapter a, a week. We took two weeks for chapter 4. At this rate, we'll be done by Christmas. So it's the Bible. It's uh, great stuff. Um, Luke chapter 5, and we'll read one of the stories here. And we're calling this the story of Jesus. And what we're doing is we're looking inside this gospel in particular, and we're trying to unpack what, what is the story of Jesus, and how do we see ourselves in this story, and what, what, are, what are we doing to be part of the story? So I want you to go to verse 17. Verse 17 the heading in my Bible says, Jesus heals a paralytic. Are you ready? If you're there, say yes. yes. All right. One day, Jesus was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. Now, this is, just pause here for a moment. This is, we, we tend to skip over this in the story. But I want you to see what's been happening here. Jesus has been teaching. He's been doing miracles. He's in the process of calling people, calling his disciples to himself. In fact, uh, the story after this is the calling of Levi or Matthew. And so Luke is describing the scene here. And the scene is Jesus is teaching and there are religious leaders, Pharisees. The Pharisees are a religious sect of Judaism, and they, they were um, known as separatists. In fact, the word Pharisee means separate, and, and they, they are the ones who would be the most holy among the religious leaders. They, they were a group of people that, that knew the scriptures backwards and forwards, and they, uh, they believed, you know, in defense of the Pharisees, they believed that the way that the kingdom of God was going to come was going to be through perfect obedience of the law. That the more people would obey, the more people would do to, to make sure that they obeyed the instructions of the Torah, that they would, that the kingdom of God, they would usher in the moment when the kingdom of God would expand and, the, and the, the Messiah would come and God would act and he would overthrow tyranny, the tyranny that was controlling and dominating God's people, the Jewish people. And so, so they, are, they are here. And the reason they're here is because this man called Jesus is, is starting to attract giant crowds. He's starting to attract all these crowds. And what he's saying is, is the kingdom of God is coming. And when that's what you're all about, that's what the Pharisees were all about, is the kingdom of God coming. you you got to go see what this man is saying. You kind of have to go check and make sure he's right. So they're sitting here, and um, they're, there's a whole bunch, from, a whole bunch of them from all over the place. There's a bunch from Galilee, from Judea, and even as far as Jerusalem, and they're all sitting there. So I want you to see there's a big crowd, big crowd, and it's full of religious people. The next part of the verse says, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. 
In other words, the power of the Lord was present in Jesus' life and ministry, and sick people were getting healed. Verse 18 says, Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, Jesus knew they were thinking what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? I love it when Jesus does that. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. If you have a pen, just underline that phrase, Son of Man. Jesus is using that on purpose. He's using that phrase on purpose. In fact, he's, done, he's set up this whole thing on purpose. In fact, Jesus is messing with the religious people. He purposefully says, friend, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't have to do that. He could lay his hands on him and say, get up and take your mat and go home. You're healed. But he doesn't. He says it for, I think he says it on purpose. Jesus loved to mess with people. I know we don't like to think about Jesus that way, but he loves to mess with people. He loves to kind of get right in the middle of where they're at and where they're living, and he wants to uproot any kind of religious attitude or anything that they're kind of grabbing onto that's really not about him or not about his kingdom, and he wants to aim right for it. And that's what he does here. It's what he does to you and me, and so he aims for it. Now, son of man was a phrase... And one of the most famous passages was Daniel chapter 7. And most of the Jewish leaders, Daniel 7, you can write that in your little margin so you can cross-reference. You can go back there and read that passage. In fact, um, I was thinking about reading it here. Uh, at right now, let me just read it to you. It's Daniel 7, verse 13. And I just want to read this to you and see what this sounds like. In my vision at night, I looked. This is Daniel. He's having a vision. And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. To the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders and the, the Pharisees, this was the coming of the Messiah. And so Jesus, using this phrase, meant something to them. So back, back, to, back to Luke 5, he says, the Son of Man has, so that you'll know that God has given authority. So that God has given me authority. He says, authority on earth to forgive sins. He, then he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Hey, that's a pretty good day. 
that's a pretty good day, you know, you're, you're laying around one day and some people come over and say, hey, let's go see Jesus. And you end up getting healed of a disease. It doesn't say exactly what it is, but he couldn't walk. He gets healed. He begins to, he, he's so strong, he picks up his mat and he starts going home praising God. Everyone was amazed. Everybody say amazed. And gave praise to God and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. The little title of this message is Remarkable Friends. Remarkable Friends. Because here's what I, I want you to see. I want you to see two groups of people in this story. We tend to focus down on Jesus and him picking on the religious leaders. And indeed, he was doing that. He was trying to identify the fact that God's kingdom was coming and it was coming through him. And they were not willing to cooperate. Right? And they, they, we, we often see this in the way we live. Sometimes we will think that God can only do what he wants to do through the system we are familiar with, through the ways that we are familiar with. The Pharisees knew the sacrificial system. They, they were overwhelmed when he said, how can this guy forgive sins? This is crazy. The only, everybody knows the only way to forgive sins is through the temple sacrificial system, through the rituals, certainly through the, 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 the priests, and even, even entering once a year for the Day of Atonement, that's the way people are forgiven of their sins. They couldn't imagine the Messiah coming the way that Jesus came. They missed it. They knew the Bible backwards and forwards. Listen, my friends, you have to keep your eyes open. It is not just information that makes you a Christian. It's not just knowing the Bible. These men knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and they missed the very coming of the kingdom of God. It is the Holy Spirit that has to open your eyes. It is cooperation with God and, and unique and different ways. We can't always predict exactly the way he's going to deliver us or the way he's going to move in us or exactly what he wants us to do. Here, the Holy Spirit is revealing who the Messiah is through, through healing, through power, the power of God. And these religious people couldn't see it. There's two groups of people, though, in the story. One are the religious people. There's two groups of people, those who stand back and watch and judge versus those who love, engage, and take risks. I want you to think about the group that came to this guy who was laying down on his mat. And they, they cared about him enough. They loved him enough. Or they believed in... What Jesus was doing enough, probably both, that they were willing to carry this guy on his bed all the way to where Jesus was. And this is the crazy thing. All the religious people are taking up all the room. That's what, the, that's what it says. It says that they were sitting there. P religious people from Judea and, and from Galilee and even Jerusalem, they were all, they'd all come to check out this guy, Jesus, and they're taking up all the seats. Can you play that out in your mind? Can you, can you start making the application? And then there's a group of people that are living in community with each other in such a way that love and faith have gripped their hearts. Love for this man and faith in what Jesus can do. 
And they begin to pick him up, and they come, and they can't get in. And so what do they do? They take a risk. We're going to get this guy to Jesus. I don't care what it takes. And they climb up on this roof, and they open up those tiles. And as they open up those tiles, I mean, you can imagine. You can see the picture. Jesus is there, and he's teaching. And suddenly, something starts to fall down on Jesus' head. You know, it's like, what, what is going on? And everybody's like, oh. And they can't figure out what's going on. And then, you know, it takes time for that to all happen. I mean, like, what, did Jesus, like, keep talking? Or did he just, did they just all like, huh. And they waited for it, and he came down, and, and they lowered him down. And the scripture says, the scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith, they loved this guy enough to go the extra effort and the extra mile to make sure that he could get close to Jesus. That's what's missing in the American church. That's, we, 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 have to, we have to be in a relationship, in a community that loves so much that people who are sick, dying, separated, people who can't take care of themselves. We have to be in a community that is willing to go the extra mile to, to deal with the pain and the risks associated. It wasn't easy to do what they did. I mean, you could think about the mat, having to get the mat all the way up, and then, I mean, the guy was laying there. He's like, <laughs> Could I challenge you to take a risk with your community? Could I challenge you to be willing to be interested in other people so much that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get them close to Jesus? Instead of just taking up room in church. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I, that sounds a little aggressive. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't mean... I don't mean you should leave. What I mean is you sh what I mean is you should get into a community where you're where you're connecting with people. See, now when I when I think about what connect groups do, uh, and I just have to end with this. There's three three ideas that I want you to see. Number one, when what connect groups are all about is these are this connect groups are where we experience the benefits of speaking the truth in love. This is a cornerstone of who we are as one chapel. Speaking the truth in love, here's what it says. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, it says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You've got to be in a place where people can tell you the truth in an atmosphere of love. You've got to put yourself in a place where you're willing to love people so much that you're willing to tell them the truth. Connect groups are a place for this. Jesus told those religious leaders the truth, and he did it in an environment where the power of God was working. And these people saw the power of God. These, these religious people, they saw the power of God. They saw the faith of these men. They saw the community of these, these poor people that were lowering this guy through the roof. I mean, they saw it being displayed right in front of them. And still, 
they would not believe. They resisted. They resisted. They reacted. But listen, I don't want you to resist. I know you're busy. I know you've got things going on. I know you've got issues that you're having to wrestle with. Listen, American culture, this is what we're facing. We're all too busy to create enough time for people to love us and tell us the truth. That's the struggle. The struggle is our time and our schedule. Could I challenge you to prioritize to be involved in a community of people that are challenging you to do the things that you, you say that you should do? Number two, connect groups are where we commit to helping others receive healing. We're committing to help others receive healing. We're committed to go the, the distance. We're committed to walking with them. You say, Pastor Ross, that just takes a lot of time and energy. I don't know if I have it to give. What would have happened if those men came to the door and all those people there, oh, it's just too hard. Oh, it's just, I can't, we can't get, let's just, just take him back home. He wouldn't have gotten healed that day. The man wouldn't have been walking. Jesus would not have asserted his authority in front of all to hear. Think, think about it. The man would not have received both salvation and healing. That's what Jesus did. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, it's so interesting. I, I don't really have time to unpack this, but think about the faith of his friends. Jesus forgives the man based on the faith of his friends. Are you saying, are you, Pastor Ross, are you saying that people don't, they won't, um, you know, your, your, your own faith is the thing that has to save you? Absolutely. I, I, I agree. But I think the problem most of the time is in the application of the blood of Jesus. Right? We, we try to apply it individually when in reality there is something about the community. If I could just quote this scripture to you, 1 John 1, 7. You can write it down in your notes. We don't have time to look at it. 1 John 1, 7, here's what it says. What it says is, if we walk in the light as he is in the light... In other words, if we have no secrets with other people, we let other people in and, and there's no darkness living in us and other people. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So people, people can see the light of God's working in us. We don't, we don't hide anything from others. We get fellowship. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have real, genuine relationships that begin to be built. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all Unrighteousness, all impurity. Notice, I, I think it's a little bit of a, it's, it's a, little bit of a, a, a guideline. It's a secret. Listen, the blood of Jesus works no matter how bad the sin. There is nothing stronger than the blood of Christ to deal with your sin and to, to wash away your mistakes. But let me say this. The problem a lot of the times is in the isolation the isolation of the individual, and he's not in a community where he's having fellowship. He's got secrets in his life, and he won't share those with others. And, and so he cannot overcome those secrets. He, cannot, he doesn't confess his sins to anyone else. He just tries to work it out between him and God, and he carries a load of guilt and shame around. He never gets in real fellowship with any other believers, and the blood of Jesus has trouble working and washing his mind clean. Because it was designed, the work of Christ is designed to happen in community not as individualized spirituality. Finally, connect groups. Um, 
are where the power of God is revealed and remarkable things happen. Remarkable things happen. If you just go on with your life the way it is, I'm not sure anything remarkable will happen. But if you'll do something, if you'll take a risk, if you'll, if you'll challenge yourself and challenge others to get involved in people's lives, you may see that God will do something beyond your wildest dreams. You may see miracles that God will do right before your eyes. You'll also have to deal with a lot of mess and a lot of struggle. There's no way around that. That's what relationships sometimes create. But God will give you grace to walk through that with other people, and you'll begin to see him moving and working. If I could challenge you to think that through, prioritize. Prioritize your life so that you're involved in other people's lives. You're willing to invest in someone else, and you're willing to let someone invest in you. It means you're going to have to say no to some other things. But I want to challenge you, this is the way it's designed. This is the way God made the church, the body of Christ. And then what we're supposed to do is include others in that community. And we begin to be a light. We begin to carry the, the work of Christ in us and let other people see it. All right, close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us? Would you give us courage? Would you give us wisdom? Would you help us prioritize our time? Don't let us get sucked into the the secular society and what it says, that we're all too busy, we're all too consumed with all the activities of our kids and our own hobbies and our work schedules. Father, would you show us how to crack the code of our own culture and push through it, begin to connect with others, begin to let them invest in our lives, and we begin to invest in them. Lord, we, <laughs> we know it won't all be pretty and clean and neat. It, it, it requires a bit of a mess, but you begin to work in the mess. You begin to show yourself. You begin to reveal yourself. <laughs> the mess of this story where they, they tore some tiles off of a roof, that roof had to be prepared. They had to put it all back together. It made a little bit of a mess, but that is how it works, and Help us to be more concerned about people being healed and people getting close to Jesus than we are about the mess and the inconvenience. Help us to be more concerned about Jesus and getting people close to him than worrying about the mess and the inconvenience of the effort that we have to put into these relationships. Lord, teach us. Help us. Give us strength and grace. In Jesus' name.